of all the foreshadows of the end time that are reaching into our day. Perhaps one of the most ominous is that of a one world government. There is a lot taking place around us that is setting the stage for that to happen. With that in mind, what should we pay attention to in the days ahead? That's our focus in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Welcome to Foreshadows Report, a podcast dedicated to helping Christians to keep watch and find hope by growing in their understanding of Bible prophecy. This is Steve Miller. In this episode, we're going to look at the forces at work today that are pushing our world toward global governance. First, we'll look at four foundational trends that are leading us toward a globalist society. Then we'll look at two big examples of ways we are drawing closer than ever to seeing global approaches to government gain traction. The goal of this episode is to provide a bird's eye view of what's happening and to help us become aware of what events or organizations we need to be watching in the days to come. The Bible makes it clear that during the end times, there will be a one-world government headed up by the Antichrist. Revelation 13.7 tells us that the Antichrist will have authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. And verse 8 goes on to say that not only will the Antichrist be a global dictator, but he will be worshipped by all who dwell on earth. That's what the world will look like someday. What we don't know is the path we'll take to get there. And yet, there are many trends in motion today that are leading us in that direction. I talk about some of those trends in my book, Foreshadow, and there are some new developments taking place that I'll share as well. Let's start briefly with the foundational trends presented in Foreshadow, all of which continue to gain momentum. There are four primary trends that are causing all the people in this world to become more interconnected and more interdependent on one another than ever before. First, our world is networked by advanced technology. It's estimated that by 2025, there will be more than 40 billion smart devices in use around the world. To give you a sense of perspective, the current world population is 8 billion people. This means there are a lot more smart devices in existence than people. These smart devices are creating networks that tie us all together in a variety of ways. As of April 2023, there are 5.2 billion people on the internet, and an estimated 60% of those are on social media. Those are very big numbers, and imagine governments having total control over the content that appears online and in social media. Because so many people are all linked together through many of the same channel, it would be very easy for governments to control entire populations of people by deciding what kind of information they are allowed access to online. You may have heard the saying that information control is mind control. 
as governments take advantage of our digital networks to control access to information, they'll be able to control people. The more digitally connected we become, the more globally integrated we become, and the easier it will be for the world's final ruler to keep a watchful eye on everyone. Second, our world is networked by powerful global corporations. There are many businesses today that are so large that from a financial standpoint alone, they are more powerful than most countries in the world. We're talking about companies like Google, Meta, Apple, Microsoft, Visa, Comcast, Samsung, J.P. Morgan Chase, Toyota Motor, and ExxonMobil. They reach into almost every part of the world, and through them, people from many countries are interconnected. More ominous is the fact that these companies are so powerful that they can influence governments and their policies. We've also seen governments use large companies in order to extend their control over people. An excellent example of this is how the U.S. government long had direct ties to Google, Facebook, and Twitter and pressured these companies to censor any content the government didn't like. It's becoming more common these days to see governments work hand-in-hand with large corporations in an effort to expand their power. Third, we're a world networked by global coalitions and groups. This includes global groups like the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the G20, and the World Health Organization, which is connected to the United Nations. The organization that's been in the news the most lately is the World Economic Forum. During the pandemic in 2020, the founder of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, came out with a book titled COVID-19, The Great Reset. In the book, Schwab said that COVID-19 has dramatically torn up the script of how to govern country and that the time for reinvention has come. In other words, we need to change the way government is done. And what does he mean by reinvention? In the same book, Schwab wrote, There is no time to waste. If we do not improve the functioning and legitimacy of our global institution, the world will soon become unmanageable and very dangerous. There cannot be a lasting recovery without a global strategic framework of governance. Let me repeat that last line. There cannot be a lasting recovery without a global strategic framework of governance. That sounds like he is advocating a global government, doesn't it? There's another quote from Schwab that helps to remove all doubt. Back in 2016, he said the problem that we have is not globalization. The problem is a lack of global governance. This clearly indicates the World Economic Forum believes that the best way to deal with future crises is through global governance. The United Nations has the same mindset. We'll talk about this more in a few minutes. But for now, I'll say that on the United Nations website, the organization describes itself as the world's only truly universal global organization. The fourth major trend is the emphasis on the world as a global community. 
There's a narrative that governments and globalist organizations have been repeating a lot lately, and it's hard to miss. This narrative became very popular during the COVID pandemic. To solve the world's problems, we must all work together as one. Another way of saying this is, we're all in this together. In this way, people everywhere are being indoctrinated to have the mindset that we're all a global community. The implication is that to effectively deal with the world's problems, we all need to pursue the same solution. One area in which we're seeing a lot of this kind of activity is with world health issues, which we'll talk about in a moment. Ultimately, the emphasis on the world as a global community imposes on everyone a sense of obligation to all others. We're being told we are accountable to one another. The concept of nations or states making their own decision for the good of their own people is giving way to the pressure to make decisions on a global scale that impact everyone. So those are the four major trends that are pushing us toward a globalist society. Our world is networked by advanced technology. We're networked by powerful global corporations. We're networked by global coalitions and groups. And there is a growing emphasis on the world as a global community. Now the stage is set for us to talk about what we need to be watching in the days ahead. Let's start by jumping to an event that's taking place in September 2024. That's when the United Nations is hosting what is called the Summit of the Future. Here's what the UN website says about the summit. Major global shocks in recent years, including the COVID-19 pandemic, the Ukraine war, and the triple planetary crisis, among others, have challenged our international institutions. Unity around our shared principles and common goals is both crucial and urgent. The Summit of the Future is a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity to enhance cooperation on the critical challenges and address gaps in global governance. There are three things I'd like to highlight from that short description. First, the United Nations says unity around our shared principles and common goal is both crucial and urgent. Notice their emphasis on unity being both crucial and urgent. And what do they say this unity is built around? Our shared principles and common goal. Whose shared principles and common goals are they talking about? Clearly those of the UN. The United Nations presumptively states that these principles and goals are already in place and assumes that we agree with them. Second, they say this summit is a once-in-a-generation opportunity. There's no explanation as to why it's once-in-a-generation. It's not like there's a specific deadline beyond which making changes will become impossible. This once-in-a-generation language is meant to create a sense of urgency as if there's a global emergency that must be addressed or else. And third, the summit is said to be an opportunity to enhance cooperation on critical challenges and address gaps in global governance. 
What do you think they mean when they say address gaps in global governance? From the UN's perspective, there are gaps that need to be closed up. The UN believes these gaps are problematic and wants to close them up. This is a call for everyone to cooperate on a global level. But cooperate with what? Back in 2021, the United Nations came up with what is called our Common Agenda. According to the United Nations website, this agenda is their vision for the future of global cooperation. In a report about this Common Agenda, the United Nations includes six statements that begin with the words, Now is the time. I'm going to read three of those statements to you. Now is the time to re-embrace global solidarity and find new ways to work together for the common good. Now is the time to renew the social contract between governments and their people and within societies. And the sixth one is, now is the time for a stronger, more networked and inclusive multilateral system anchored within the United Nations. From start to finish, everything about this common agenda points to global cooperation and networking in ways that enable the United Nations to carry out its vision for the world's future. In sharing all this, I'm not saying the United Nations will be part of the Antichrist's future one-world government. It's very likely that a lot will change between now and the time the Antichrist arrives. But what I am saying is that through summits like this, governments and people around the world are being conditioned toward a one-world mindset. This is all about putting the world on a path toward global governance. On a different front, we have what's happening at the World Health Organization. Ever since the COVID pandemic, the World Health Organization has been urging world government that the global response to all future health crises should be handled by the World Health Organization alone. In other words, individual countries will not possess the authority to decide how they handle pandemics or health crises within their borders. The goal is for all countries to yield their healthcare authority to the World Health Organization, or WHO. For months, negotiations have been taking place for what is called the WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty. Back in March 2021, a group of leaders got together and wrote, the main goal of this treaty would be to foster in all of government and all of society approach strengthening national, regional, and global capacity and resilience to future pandemics. The treaty would give WHO the authority to declare what is or isn't a health crisis and the authority to dictate how countries should respond. It would also give WHO the authority to decide which countries will be required to contribute the medical resources and the fund needed to solve the crisis. The negotiating body that is working on the treaty has said they believe it should be legally binding upon all the countries around the world. As of now, the goal is to present a draft of the treaty 
at the World Health Assembly in May 2024. Looking back at what happened in 2020 and 2021 during the COVID pandemic, we already have a lot of evidence of the kind of damage that can occur from government overreach. But imagine how much worse it could be if another global health crisis comes along and we're all legally bound to follow the dictates of just one organization worldwide. If that treaty passes, an enormous amount of power will be concentrated in just a very few hands in one place. We won't have any assurance that decisions made by who will necessarily be right or in the best interest of everyone. We've looked at just two things to watch out for. The UN Summit of the Future and what's happening at the World Health Organization. There's more that is happening, but these two are significant. If they take hold, they would speed up the process toward global governance. We can be sure that nothing is going to slow down the momentum of the four foundational trends I mentioned earlier, or the goals that are being set by the UN and WHO. While the World Health Assembly is 10 months away, and the summit of the future is more than a year away, that time will go by quickly. As difficult as it is to watch our world move toward global governance, we can rejoice in the fact Everything is happening exactly the way God said it would. Gradually, we are seeing prophecies move closer than ever to their fulfillment. For those of us who are followers of Christ, that is good news because it means His return is nearer than ever. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Foreshadows Report. I hope you found this podcast informative and that it will enable you to discern more carefully what is happening in our world and why. The trend toward global governance is just one of 12 that I talk about in my book Foreshadow. If you don't have the book and you're interested in finding out more about the other trends that reveal Christ's return is nearer than ever, you can find out more by going to my website stevemillerresources.com And as I mentioned in our previous episode, I have a new book coming out on October 10th. It's titled One Day Near Daily Devotion in Anticipation of Jesus' Glorious Return. It's a collection of 365 devotions meant to instruct and inspire us as we draw closer than ever to the end time. One special feature of the book is that it includes more than 250 devotions that look at the high points of Bible prophecy from Genesis to Revelation. At the same time that you learn about specific prophecies in Scripture, you'll also discover how these prophecies are relevant and meaningful to us right now. Though there are 365 devotions, they are not tied down to the calendar year. The book can be started at any time a person wants, and because it's not tied to a calendar year, it's okay if you have to miss a day or two for some reason. There's no way to fall behind on reading this devotional. One Day Near is now available for pre-order at my website, 
Just go to stevemillerresources.com and you'll find all the information you need for ordering from one of four different retailers linked on the website. Thank you again for joining me for this podcast, and I'm grateful to Harvest House Publishers for continuing to support it. <laughs>